Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. Okay, um, let's welcome Tommy DeLeon, who will be bringing us our message this morning. Thank you. Well, welcome once again, and uh, it's nice to be back home. But it was fun going up to San Antonio last week. It was different. Uh, You get that little nervous, edgy feeling all the time, you know, when you're somewhere new, but it was a lot of fun. So this week, I want to continue our review of Unity's five principles with a look at principle number four, which states, prayer is creative thinking that heightens the connection with God-mind and therefore brings forth wisdom, healing, prosperity, and everything good. In her book titled The Five Principles, Reverend Ellen Devonport summarizes principle four as communion with God. She begins the chapter in this manner. Prayer would seem to be the simplest and most familiar of all spiritual concepts. Even little children understand it. Prayer has been practiced by human beings throughout the ages in many different forms, addressed to gods of many different names. And yet this is where confusion usually sets in regarding the five principles. Now, to anyone other than a beginning or intermediate unity student, that might sound a little bit puzzling. What could possibly be confusing about prayer? Uh, Well, we've been taught to pray to God since we could speak, but that's exactly the problem. We were taught to pray to God, to petition to God, to try to make deals. We ask for this or that in exchange for this or that. Sometimes the petition is granted, sometimes it's not. What's confusing about that? Isn't that the way prayer works? That's what we've always been told. And Unity says, no, that's not how prayer works at all. That's the old way of seeing prayer and it involves a view of a God that is anthropomorphic, a God that is like us a God that is fickle and uncertain, uncertain, a God that is dualistic, one that grants favor to some and not to others. This is completely contrary to what God is and of course makes no sense. The the confusion for a beginning Unity student is in regards to the radical departure from this traditional whimsical and external God to which one has to petition to. What happens is something like this. When we first uh, are introduced to the first three principles, most of us, I did, recognize them as intuitively correct. Plato said all knowledge is recollection. So you just have it in there somewhere and you hear it and it's like, that sounds right. And and of course we we say, of course God is everywhere. And because it is everywhere, then naturally I am made of that same stuff that God is. So that's principle two. In it, we move and live and have our being, it says in the Bible. Then because I am like God, I too have creative principle, creative power and free will. So 
after the first three principles, we're all thinking, okay, I'm, I'm good. Everything is going along smoothly. Things are going well. Then we get to principle four. And there tends to be a clashing of the old embedded theology with this new perspective that we have, this new view of God. The result is a storm of confusion, much like when a cold front encounters a warm front, you get bad weather. Now think what, why that would be, and I just mentioned it, is because it is a bumping of heads of sorts, of the old way of seeing things and the new way of seeing things. So at this point, it is natural for the new unity student to say, well, if we create our own destiny through the activity of our thinking and our believing through free will and creative power, then who or what is it that we are praying to, and more importantly, why? Now, this is a very good question, and principle four addresses it, and that's today's lesson. I wrote for the monitor, I put, in its simplest form, the answer is that we are expressions of this one greater mind consciousness, and through prayer, affirmation, not supplication, we align ourselves with this greater good to, as the principle says, bring forth wisdom, healing, prosperity, and everything good. In its simplest form, that is the answer. But let's take a deeper look at it today because it really does involve a radical about face in regards to how we see prayer. Just the same way that it involved a radical about face in the way that we see God. This change in consciousness involves a review of the old and the new way of seeing prayer. So I want to look at the old way right now, quickly. Now, through my studies in the great courses, which I've gone through a lot of them, I learned that at the time of Jesus, the vast majority of people were polytheists. They believed in many gods. Their view of God was something like a pyramid type of a structure with a hierarchy of gods. And these demigods, as we might call them, they were in charge of all sorts of things. They were in charge of, there was a God of rain, there was a God of love, the God of this, a God of that. And of course, that, 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 with that, they obviously had more power than humans did. The general belief humans had at the time that we didn't have any power or any control over anything. So naturally, what they did was they would petition to these gods because they felt helpless. They had no control of their crops, the weather, anything. So their option was to pray to these more powerful creatures to come and intervene into their lives so they could have a better experience. That was the form of prayer back then. And you can see where this is going. What happened is when the Judeo-Christian, well, the Judeo-Christian model came along with a monotheistic view, although I have to qualify that in the Old Testament there are very many references to polytheism, to more than one God. But in general, it's a, a, a monotheistic point of view. In any sense, we took that old sense of petitioning to a God and brought it forward and just refocused it now on the one God instead of all of them. So that is the scheme. In that scheme, we have to petition to God through supplication. That was perspective from a long time ago. 
and a lot of people still have that perspective, but in unity, we recognize that this point of view no longer serves us. Not only that, it is inaccurate in the first place. Now, obviously, we have not abandoned prayer, but we have changed our perspective of what it is and how to use it. The revealing word says this about prayer. Prayer is communion between God and man. Prayer is more than supplication. It is affirmation of truth that eternally exists, but which has not yet come into consciousness. And that would be your consciousness. It comes into consciousness not by supplication, but by affirmation. Our metaphysics book says this about affirmative prayer, we call it. Unity's concept of affirmative prayer and how to pray in this manner utilizes a five-step prayer process. Affirmative prayer is the act of claiming and declaring what already is true in the absolute realm. The five steps are relaxation, concentration, meditation, realization, and thanksgiving. Now from our Keys to the Kingdom book, this is broken down a little bit more. It says first, there was relaxation. It says, each day make for yourself an opportunity to go alone for the purpose of praying. Relax in the assurance that God is with you and that you do not ever live or work alone. Concentration. Second, turn your mind in concentration on the great truth that your good is already established and all the good that is God is already in the universe. This is the promise and therefore it can be trusted. Three, meditation. Decree this good for yourself. Speak powerful words of joy, trust, and enthusiasm. Assure yourself that you are a child of God and that this is God's pleasure. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The fourth is realization. Turn the strength and power of your faith on this decree. Say again that this is the reality of life and then believe this. Concentrate all your mental powers on this truth that you are speaking. The fifth is thanksgiving. Give expression to a tremendous sense of gratitude for faith, love, security, peace, health, and real progress in all the affairs of your life. The metaphysics book also says that prayer is an attitude of the heart, more about being than doing. Now, are all these strange cult-like ideas that belong to unity or something? Not at all. Not at all. They're very much in the Bible. As I said, it just said there, it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus also said, be it done to you as you believe. On page 90 of the book, Five Principles, it says that ask and it will be given is not a begging as many of us have been taught. Affirmative prayer is instead focusing our thoughts, aiming our intentions. It is aligning ourselves in oneness with the divine, knowing that whatever we need already exists. And I talked about that last Sunday at San Antonio about the word, the logos, creative principle with infinite possibilities. 
And we talk about that in quantum physics idea that everything is in potential there. Same idea. And in fact, it says in the book that in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the word that was translated as ask has the connotation of claim or demand. That's what it means. It doesn't mean ask as in beg. It means claim it. It means demand it. As unity teaches, there is nothing to earn from God. This is a huge misconception of, traditional, of the traditional view. It is a view that keeps us grounded, spiritually grounded. It is not consistent with the idea that life is abundant and infinite in nature. It is not consistent with who we truly are. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? He wanted to ask for forgiveness. I don't want to hear about nothing. Everything is yours anytime. That's the attitude. The good news is that we are beginning to change our view. And I think unity is helping. And science is helping. Because it is telling us that we can alter our circumstances. Or so it seems. The power of prayer is very much a reality. Especially when it's done in groups. And that's why I like to do... I started implementing so many group affirmations because there's power in numbers. You have power, but when we get together, we have more power. That's the way it works. Reverend Devonport says in the book that those prayers that seem to go unanswered, she offers two explanations for that. And she says one of them might be that at a subconscious level, we are attracting something differently at the subconscious level. And, this, and the second one is that may, we may just be blocking that by our own words and actions because we're not mindful of what it is we're saying and we're doing. So those interesting points of view, and I think they're very interesting because it brings us back to the same thing. It all falls back to you again. It always does. She says further that the, that the process of affirmative prayer begins with a shift in consciousness. Then it becomes a shift in your words. I, I read this and I thought this is very interesting. She said, at the fundamental level, everything is one, as we have established in our quantum physics class. So from that perspective, praying is really the one asking the one. God asking God. And there is always a response. I thought that was very interesting. When I read that, I remind, it reminded me of that Sufi poet Rumi that says, that which you seek, seeks you. First time I saw it, I said, that's an interesting thought. I like that. Now, I have to admit that for me, uh, much of my adult life, I've spent, well, struggling with the idea of prayer because of my embedded theology, of what I grew up with. I grew up in a petition-oriented prayer format. You ask for things because you don't have them. And then you come to unity and it changes everything. So thank goodness for that. And thank goodness for affirmative prayer. That the only thing you have to do is claim it. It already is there. Now, most people in unity are not born in unity. I've met I think maybe two or three in my 10 years or so in unity that were actually born in the unity. Most everybody comes from somewhere else. And so maybe you all struggle with, with a prayer idea as well. And if that's so, 
then I would recommend you pick up the book and read it completely, the chapter, or take the keys to the kingdom and read the whole entire section about prayer as well. That might benefit you. Now, I'm going to read something from page 96 of this as an example because we have to change the way we see things and how we do things. And she writes on this. She writes examples of the traditional old way of prayer and the, as in contrasted with affirmative prayer. In case you're not familiar, just to kind of keep, we got to keep pounding that stuff in there. It'll get there someday. <laughs> she says, typical prayer. Dear God, please make my friend well. He's having surgery tomorrow. Please make sure the doctors don't make any mistakes and there are no complications. Please let him recover quickly and get back to work so he can take care of his family. Be with his wife because she's really worried. Amen. Then she says, now this is a traditional prayer. Let us pray for all who suffer and are afflicted in body or in mind. For the hungry and the homeless, the destitute and the oppressed. For the sick and the wounded and the crippled. For those in loneliness, fear and anguish. For those who face temptation, doubt and despair. For the sorrowful and the bereaved. For prisoners and captives. For those in mortal danger. That God in his mercy will comfort and relieve them and grant them the knowledge of his love and stir up stir up in us the will and patience to minister to their needs. That was a traditional one. You notice there's a lot of references to negative things. And so the affirmation thing is like, remember that the universe, when I did prosperity stuff, it was distinguishing. The universe doesn't distinguish between big and small. In other words, if you ask it for a penny or a million dollars, it doesn't know the difference. It, you know, it, it's the same thing for it because it's infinite. So same thing here. What it, attract, what it responds to is what you say and what you, the words that you use. So in their chapter, it says, avoid using the words altogether. Now she has a sample of, uh, uh, an example of affirmative prayer. And the same idea, but it would read now like this. The healing power of the divine flows through my body. I am health. I am wholeness. I am healed. The healing power of God works through the doctors, nurses, and medications. I am restored to my natural state of health. I am grateful for my healthy body, for the gifts of this expression. These specific words used in affirmative prayer, she says, are, are not as important as the intention to affirm what already exists, even when we can't see the results yet, and give thanks for it in advance. I think that's pretty good. So in conclusion, the book says that most of us have trouble believing that the limits in our lives are self-imposed. The truth is that we live in an abundant universe, and we are entitled to more than anything that we can imagine as soon as we are ready to receive it. It's waiting for you. That's an interesting thought. So I hope you all receive everything that you deserve and much more. 
And how do we do that? We claim it. Amen. Thank you.